joining us today at Launch Point Church in Lebanon, Tennessee. We believe the Bible is the written word of God without error and useful for every part of our lives. We believe that through learning and teaching of the word, others might come to know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. God, we lift up the name of Jesus in this place this morning. Jesus, your name is wonderful and powerful. You are wonderful and powerful, and we pour out our praise to you this morning. God, we empty ourselves before you this morning. We pour out ourselves so that we may be filled by you. God, I thank you for your your love, your grace, your mercy, all the attributes of you that we can truly stand in awe and worship you with a pure heart this morning, God. God, I thank you for our worship time and song. And and God, I ask that you be with me as we begin to worship you with the word. God, I pray that they see you, that Jesus, the people watching this see you. They don't see me. Hide me behind your cross so that it's you that I proclaim. It's you, Christ and him crucified, is what people hear this morning. That they hear that God has a plan for us. God, we trust your plan for us. God, we trust your word and the, and the, the beauty of your word and the sincerity and the truth that's found in your word. God, we love you and we love your word. Jesus, we love you this morning. God, just be with me. You've given me this word and I trust that it came from you. Don't let me say anything that I would say, but only let me speak what you would, you would have me speak. And God, Pastor Jim said, I can't tell them I'm nervous, but I can tell you I'm a little nervous. So very selfishly this morning, God, will you calm my nerves? Will you slow my heart and will you make my speech clear? I thank you for the day and I thank you for every day. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning. I join my husband, Pastor Jim, in making you welcome today. Thank you so much for joining us here at Launch Point Church Online. We're very excited and are eagerly anticipating seeing you again in this house to worship together next Sunday, May 17th. And also, because today's a very special day, Happy Mother's Day. We love our mamas. I love my mama. I am blessed to have a very wonderful mother. She has managed to maintain and hold her position of authority as my mother through my life. However, in my adult years, has become my very best friend. She is who I call when I am happy and sad and, glad and, and mad. I watch my mother in the example that she set before me as a woman and as a wife and a mother and as a follower of Christ. And I owe every thing I am today to the example that she gave me. I could stand here all day long and, and tell you about the greatness that is Brenda Mason, but I heard a story a very long time ago that truly encaps, encapsulates my mother and all of our mothers. There was a teacher who has been working on fractions with her students, and she decided to give them a review. And so she approached one of her students and she said, let's suppose that your mother baked a pie. 
and there's seven of you in your family and you each get a piece. What portion of the pie would your piece be? What fraction would that be? And the little boy said, one-sixth. And the teacher said, no, listen to me. It's a whole pie. There's seven of you. Each of you get one slice. What fraction of the pie would your piece be? And the little boy said again without hesitation, one-sixth. And the teacher said, well, you don't know your fractions. Let me explain. And the little boy interrupted her and said, no, ma'am, you don't know my mama. She wouldn't have pie. I would get a bigger slice because she wouldn't. The Bible tells us in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 27, to give honor where honor is due. So today I honor my mother. And all mothers, we honor you. We honor you because your math was a sacrificial math. We honor you that you always made sure that we had more, even when it meant that you had none or less. We honor you today for being our biggest fan. My brother and I never did anything that my mother didn't attend. I could call her today and ask her to come watch me clean the toilets here at the church, and she would come. And not only did she show up, because that's what mothers do, our moms show up. She would be my loudest cheerleader. When I was playing sports, my mother's voice cheering me on and telling me I could do it drowned out all the other noise going on around me. My mother is also my toughest critic in private. My mother never wore blinders to my faults or my shortcomings. My dad was very quick and very swift with discipline. But my mother would always sit us down and explain the truth to us with love of our error. Because our mother understands that the hard truth, when given in love, is meant for us to evaluate ourselves and we truly grow from it. And even though she is our our toughest critic in private, Our mothers tend to be quite fierce when it comes to those who would speak against us in public. The protectiveness of a mother is is immeasurable. I have heard my mother say so many times, I know my children's faults, but I better never hear anybody else speak of them. Mothers, we honor you today for your submission. You submitted to silence in our rebellion and in our failures. You have submitted to the broken heart that comes with having a mouthy teenager. And you have submitted to hold us close, but still leave room to let us go in order to cleave to our spouses when we got married. A mother's sacrifice and submission, I believe, are two of the greatest attributes of a mother's heart. The sacrifice and the submission of a mother scream the example of Jesus Christ to us in our life as we grow. The greatest act of sacrifice and submission a mother can make is to submit her plan, her ideas, her dreams for her children, of who they would be or who they should be to the vision that God would have for her children. You see, as a mother, our heart has to come to the same place as Hannah's. Hannah prayed in, in 1 Samuel chapter 1. Hannah prayed for a son. 
And not only did she pray, but she promised God that if he would give her this son, that she would see to it that she gave him back to him and that he would serve God for as long as he lived. And God answered Hannah's prayer. He gave her that son. And in 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 27 and 28, Hannah presents Samuel to God saying this, For this boy I have prayed, and the Lord has given me my petition, which I ask of him. So I have also dedicated him to the Lord as long as he lives. He is dedicated to the Lord. See, Mom, the truth is that God has a plan and a purpose for the lives of our children. In Jeremiah 29, 11, we read, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. In Psalm chapter 37, verse 23, The steps of a man are established by the Lord. And sometimes the plan God has for our children doesn't look like the plan that we have for our children. But the plan of God will stand. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 21 says, Many plans are in a man's heart, but the counsel of the Lord will stand. When we, like Hannah, commit our children to God and submit our plan to God, well, that's when our children will be greater than we ever dreamed they could be. A couple of years after Pastor Jim and I got married, I was having lunch with a very good friend of mine named Lori McDonald. And she shared with me that she began praying Daniel chapter 1, verse 4 over her children from the day they were born. And that she prayed that scripture over her children every day. And she, like Hannah, saw her prayers come, come to fruition. She has three children who all have a relationship with Jesus Christ. She has three kids who have been crazy successful and, and, and excelled in, in their schooling. Um, all three of them were student body president at MTSU during their enrollment. Um, one of her sons is studying law at Belmont currently and plans to run for president, and he will and probably win. Um, her other son has dedicated his life to be a missionary pilot. So he spends his days delivering supplies to missionaries to provide for the people that they're serving. And their youngest child, Delaney, will graduate MTSU this spring. And Lori sent me a picture of her the other day. And she has every honor ribbon and cord that a student can receive. When I saw the picture, I wondered, I don't, I don't think this child's going to be able to stand up with all that wrapped around her. What Lori didn't know, because I had not shared with her, and I had never shared with anyone, was the very dark place that I was at in my life. I had allowed horrible darkness to enter me. You see, I had been given access to my cousin Shannon's children that no one else had been given access like I had. I had the two most beautiful, sweet, loving nieces anyone could ask for. And when I married Pastor Jim, God gave me two little girls that I got to help raise. And I loved those children with a love that I didn't have an explanation for. But, I said I wouldn't cry. I never got to have kids of my own. 
And it wasn't looking like that was ever going to happen for me. And I got very mad at God. And I held resentment and bitterness toward God. I wondered what could possibly be wrong with me. What sin did I commit that was so great that would disqualify me from that gift? I grieved that I would never experience pregnancy and all the wonderment and the beautiful things that come from that. I longed to be the voice and the touch that soothed my crying baby when no one else and nothing else could. I became jealous um, towards my family and, and friends who were pregnant and announced their pregnancies. And I was easily offended by anyone that would ask me why I didn't have kids of my own. And when Lori shared the fact that she prayed Daniel chapter 1 verse 4 over her children, God changed my perspective immediately. In that very moment, God caused me to realize that that love I could not explain for those children had come from him. And he caused me to see that he had called me to partner with him and their mothers to pray for them. So I began praying Daniel chapter 1 verse 4 over Shelby and Allison and Jason and Maggie and Mackenzie and Brittany and Madison and what would later come to be known as my, my whirlwind of a nephew, Jax. And I would like to share that prayer with you today. If you would, please turn with me to Daniel chapter 1. And we're going to reach um, verse 1 through 4. The message today is tailored towards mothers. However, it is for all of us. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came in Jerusalem and besieged it. The Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the vessels of the house of God. And he brought them to the land of Shinar, to the house of his God. He brought the vessels into the treasury of his God. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, the chief of his officials, to bring in some of the sons of Israel, including some of the royal family and of the nobles, youths in whom was no defect, who were good-looking, showing intelligence in every branch of wisdom, endowed with understanding and discerning knowledge, and who had ability for serving in the king's court. And he ordered him to teach them the literature and language of the Chaldeans. See, King Nebuchadnezzar was building a court of officials to serve him and eventually secede him. The attributes he described of those young men in verse 4 are those that he wanted because he believed that those lended to his ultimate success. He wanted those in the royal family and of nobles because they had a good reputation. He wanted them to be attractive so that people would favor them. He wanted them to be intelligent and wise and to be strong enough and have the stamina to serve him and stand in his palace at all times. He wanted them to speak his language, not their own. See, in Daniel chapter 1, verse 4, we find an answer to the question, what is God's vision for my kids? Who does God desire that they be? And we also find in Daniel chapter 1 verse 4 a framework of prayer 
for us as mothers to pray over our children. I hope to make three points out of this text today. Point number one is God's vision and our prayer for our children is to have relationship with Jesus Christ. In verse 3, Nebuchadnezzar was sure to ask for including some of the royal family and of the nobles. Galatians chapter 3 verse 26 tells us, For you all are sons of God through the faith or through faith in Jesus Christ. You see, our confession of Christ and our submission to him as Lord of our life is our first act of faith. And we are sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus, as Lord and Savior of our life, permits us into God's royal family. How do we know that this is God's will for our life and for our kids? Well, Jesus uses the verbiage that's very specific in John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Whosoever means all. In my most Smith County, it means all y'all. It means all of us. God's plan is that we have relationship with Jesus Christ and that we be his sons and daughters. Turn with me to Romans chapter 8. We're going to read verse 14 through 17. I cheated and marked these because I didn't want to be flipping pages. While you guys were waiting on me to get there. Romans chapter 8 verse 14 says. For all who are being led by the spirit of God. These are the sons of God. Let me stop for one second and say. When we make the confession of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. The Holy Spirit comes to live within us. And he comes to lead us. So this is us in verse 14. For all who are being led by the spirit of God. These are sons of God. For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, heirs, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. You see, this gives us the confirmation that we are sons and daughters of God, that we are children of God, that we are heirs, that we're not just heirs, we are joint heirs with the one and only Jesus Christ. We read in, in 1 John chapter 3, verse 1 through 3, further confirmation of this truth. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, See how great a love the Father has bestowed on us, that we would be called children of God. And such we are. For this reason, the world does not know us, because it did not know him. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not appeared as yet what we will be. We know that when he appears, we will be like him, because we will see him just as he is. In verse 3 of 1 John chapter 3 is where we learn that our children would have no defect and be good-looking. Verse 3 says, and everyone who has this hope fixed on him purifies himself just as he is pure. 
You see, God's plan for our children's life is not only that they have relationship with Jesus Christ, but that they be Christ-like. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16 says, Therefore we do not lose heart, but though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. Let's face it, no mother is willing to admit that her child may have defect or isn't good looking. King Nebuchadnezzar looked at the external man as he was making his selections and his choices. We as mothers can and should pray that our children are physically healthy. But unlike Nebuchadnezzar, we must concern ourselves with the inner man of our children because that's who God is concerned with. Our job is to help them become like Christ. If you read the New Testament, you read of how Jesus' ministry on earth and then the towns that he traveled to and all of his experiences, people were just drawn to him. But if you read Isaiah chapter 53 verse 2, it says that Jesus himself had no stately form or majesty that we should look upon him. You see, the physical attributes of Jesus are not what caused people to chase after him. And therefore, the physical attributes of our children can't be where we put our hope and where we put our effort. It has to be in that inner man. We help our children become Christ-like through praying that they be Christ-like. So what attributes is it of Jesus that was so attractive to the people around him? Well, it was the... The, the authority that he walked in, it was in the love that he showed and it was in his submission to the spirit within him. See, Jesus was a, a person submitted to God's will. He was subject to God's authority over his life. Jesus was a person of prayer. Jesus was humble and Jesus showed compassion for others. These are the characteristics that we pray that our children would have. But mama, those kids are watching you. They learn how to be and how to act by watching you. They watch you have compassion for other people. They watch you be humble and therefore humility grows inside of them. They watch you submit yourself to God and his will and his authority over your life. And they follow you there. They listen to you pray. They listen to you talk. Sometimes they repeat things that you don't want them to repeat. They listen to you talk so closely. But our children learn from us. And even when we mess up, the truth is we still have an opportunity to pray that God would lead our children into Christ-likeness. Point number two, God's vision in our prayer is for our children to be wise and led by his Holy Spirit. Verse 4b says that Nebuchadnezzar wanted young men or youths who show intelligence in every branch of wisdom, endowed with understanding and discerning knowledge. Well, what is wisdom? The Webster's Unabridged Dictionary defines wisdom as 
having knowledge and the capacity to make due use of it. It's also defined as good sense. I didn't realize that my dad proclaimed Daniel 1-4 over my brother and I when we were growing up because every time we were about to get out of the car to be in public, my dad would turn around and look at us and say, act like you've got some sense. So my dad, he was a good one. (laughs) But you see, worldly wisdom isn't our hope for our children. Our hope and our prayer for our children is that they have godly wisdom. Because godly wisdom is what God wants them to have. We want them to have God's unbounding knowledge, his eternal perspective, and his limitless experience. You see, God knows all things. He sees all things from beginning to end. And God has been in our past, is in our past, is in our present, and has gone into our future. So how do we, how do they obtain godly wisdom? We obtain godly wisdom by being reverent of God, by showing fear of the Lord. Psalm chapter 111 verse 10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all those who do his commandments. You see, we show reverence for God. When we understand who he is, when we accept the authority that he has over us, when we realize that nothing we have or will ever receive comes from us, but comes from his hand of provision over us. We maintain the healthy fear of God, and we pray that our children will do the same. We receive godly wisdom wisdom by asking God for wisdom and we believe that he will give it. James chapter 1 verse 5 says, But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given him. You see, we ask God for wisdom for ourselves. We ask God to give us wisdom as we raise our children. We ask God to give children or to make our children wise but as you begin to put into practice my my hope for you is that when i finish today that you will be amped up and ready to begin praying daniel chapter 1 verse 4 over your children because as you begin to pray that verse thing god will bring things to you one of the things that i pray over those kids that i mentioned earlier and i pray when people come and ask me to pray with them if they're making a decision i ask god To give them the wisdom of Solomon. You see, the Bible says that God is not a respecter of persons. And that what he did for one, he'll do for another. God God came to Solomon in a dream and asked him, what would you have? And I'm, I'm paraphrasing. What would you have? And Solomon said, wisdom. And God gave it to him. And Solomon became known as a wise king. A king who dealt with his people justly and fairly. And so as you pray for God to give your children wisdom, pray that they interact and that they deal with people justly and fairly and that they extend grace and mercy to the people around them because wisdom will gain them favor with people and with man and with God and with man. 
Another way that we receive godly wisdom is the study of God's word. <coughs> Excuse me. Second Timothy chapter three, verse 16 and 17 say all scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. Let me be very honest with you mamas. God's definition of good work for your children may not look like what your definition for their good works is. Seek the wisdom of God through his word to understand what those good works are. Do we all want our children to be successful? Absolutely. But God is who will lead them into the success that matters, into his good works. And he will ensure that they are adequate to do it if we will train them in the word, if we will spend time in the word with them. When Pastor Jim and I first got married, Madison loved for me to read Bible verses with her every night before bed. She was six years old. I had been studying the word for about a year. We weren't very, we weren't very wise. But she loved to just randomly open the Bible and she would be very dramatic in circling her finger to find a verse for us to read. And there were numerous verses that we would read and her six-year-old brain and my one-year-old study in mine had no clue what they meant. Um, so we'd close the Bible and we'd open it back up on another page and she would pick another verse. But she remembers that to this day at 20 years old. And she knows that I'm holding that Bible because every Bible verse that she and I read together, we marked in a red ink pen. And when she gives birth to her first child, I'm going to give her that Bible. She doesn't know that, so don't tell her that. Second um, Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, paraphrase. It begins with, study to show yourself approved, accurately handling the word of truth. You see, it's not just enough to study. You have to accurately handle the word of truth. And how do we do that? Well, in Psalm chapter 1, verse 2 and 3, we see even more reason to raise our children in the word. Let's go there. Psalm chapter 1, verse 2. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. And in whatever he does, he prospers. You see, I said that God's idea of our children prospering and being success successful is different than ours. I'm not saying don't have big hopes and dreams and aspirations for your kids, but be able to let go if they don't want to be a doctor and they want to pick up trash because if they're happy and they're planted in the word then god says that their success comes because they are firmly planted that they will bear fruit and that they will never wither this is how they prosper this is success the wisdom of god the the, the leading of god on their life that's where our children's true success comes from because as they meditate and know the word of God, discernment is then produced in our children. 
having their mind conformed to the will of God causes them to be led by the Holy Spirit. Jesus tells us in John chapter 16, verse 7 and 8, that the Holy Spirit is our helper and that he leads us in truth. And that in that truth, he will convict of sin. He will lead into right living and that he will keep from judgment. I, if I'm picking my kids' friends, Holy Spirit is number one on my list. Because I want my children to be convicted of sin. I want my children to be led to live a righteous life. And I want my children spared from judgment. Because the world has already been judged. And we will stand before God. And so will my children. will stand before God. And he will judge the life that they lived. And allow them into eternity with him. Because of the prayers that I've prayed and the faith that I hold in God to answer them. And the leading of the Holy Spirit in their life. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 16 tells us that the Spirit empowers us. If you get honest, none of us want our children to make the same mistakes that we did. The second part of the hard truth that sometimes comes from Miss Angela is... Mama, you are not their Holy Spirit. He's capable. He doesn't act or lead his children out of his opinion. Get out of the way and let the Holy Spirit lead your children. But be honest with them. Be honest with them and share with them the importance of, of following the leading of the Holy Spirit. There's been times in, in Pastor Jim in my life that that I, I can share with Madison, and, I, and we have shared with Madison, that when we listened to the Spirit of God, this is where we came from. Brother Leonard said it on Wednesday night, on the other side of obedience is, is blessing. And when we're obedient to the Holy Spirit, there's a blessing in that obedience. But be honest enough with them to tell them about the times in your life when you didn't listen, and the repercussions that came into your life because you didn't listen. See, we want our children to be like Paul. Paul had an experience with Jesus Christ. Paul knew the word. And Paul began to proclaim the gospel everywhere that he went. But in Acts chapter 16, verse 6, the Spirit forbid him from speaking the gospel in Asia. And when I first read that scripture, I was like, there, so the Holy Spirit will say, don't share the gospel? Like, that's, that's allowed? The truth is, the Holy Spirit will teach our children when to act, when not to act, when to speak, and when not to speak. And he will cover them and protect them through those leadings that he gives them. Point number three, God's vision and our prayer is for our children to serve him and his people. Verse four of Daniel chapter one Verse 4, the, the last part of that, or part of the last part, 4C, as Pastor Jim denotes things, who had ability for serving in the king's court. You see, we're not like Daniel. Um, Daniel would have been qualified and immediately moved from where he was to begin serving in the king's court. You see, when we are qualified 
when we have relationship with Jesus Christ, when we become Christ-like, when we study the word and as we listen to the Holy Spirit, we don't get moved. We serve where we are. And we serve God by glorifying him. And how do is it that we glorify God? Well, we glorify God by, by being obedient to his word and his will. We glorify God in our giving. Because in our giving, we relinquish control. We say that we value the things that are eternal over the things that are temporal and the things that are material. Our worship is our service to God. Romans chapter 12 verse 1 says, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. We glorify God as an act of our service in worship. Pastor Jim mentioned in the beginning in the announcements that starting next week, we get to come back together and, and worship in God's house together. And one of the temporary protocols in place is that our launched kids won't meet. They will get to have our children out in the sanctuary with us. And so above praying that our children would be people of worship, we get to show them what worship looks like. I mentioned earlier that our kids watch us, and they do. So as we begin to come back together to, to meet in, inside the four walls of Launch Point Church and your children are with you, show them what worshiping God without abandon in the song service looks like. Show them what being fully aware of the teaching of the pastor looks like. Show them what flipping from the pages to find the word that he's using in the Bible looks like teach them to seek through the word on their own because that's your worship. And your kids are watching you worship. And we glorify God when we serve others. In Matthew chapter 25, verse 31, I'm going to read verse 31 through 46. I know that's a lot, but I got time to feel, so... I'm just kidding. Verse 31. But when the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on His glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before Him and He will separate them from one another as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And He will put the sheep on His right and the goats on His left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. Naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed, and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? And when did we see you a stranger and invite you in or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? The king will answer and say to them, Truly I say to you, to the extent that you did it to one of these brothers of mine, even the least of them, you did it to me. We glorify God when we serve other people. Our children need to be taught 
to serve others above self. That's how they're Christ-like. Jesus Christ didn't come but to serve. And we owe it to the people around us to serve them. Loving God and loving people means serving them. And I mentioned earlier about that judgment. The, the scriptures go on in, in verse 41. Then he will also say to those on his left, Depart from me, accursed ones, into the eternal fire which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. Naked and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then they themselves also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not take care of you? Then he will answer them, truly I say to you, to the extent that you did not, that you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And in verse 46, these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. You see, moms, there is... Like I said, that judgment coming. And there is a marker of success when it comes to your children and God's plan for them. And it is that they are in, that they are righteous and that they have eternal life. Because at the end of your children's life, they will stand before God. And I pray that your prayer for your kids has been nothing more than that they hear the words, well done, my good and faithful servant. Because the day is coming that our children will have an opportunity to enter into the king's court. Everything that we, we pray in Daniel chapter 1 verse 4 over our children is, is God's vision for them because it builds godly character in them. It, it ensures that they have a relationship with Jesus Christ. It ensures that they are christ like it ensures that they have wisdom and that they're led by the Holy Spirit. And after all is said and done, our children will no longer speak our language, but they'll speak the king's language. Colossians chapter 3 verse 16 says, So as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another, and forgiving each other. You see, these are the words that our children speak to everyone around them. These are the characteristics of our children that we want to see in them that, that causes them to be good-looking to those around them. That one day, as you continue to pray for your kids, the door will open that they will share Jesus Christ with those around them. That they will be so firm in the faith that they have built through your prayer and their service to God. That when they leave your house and go to college or wherever it is that they may go, they get married. That they will be sure of the foundation, as, as Caleb sung earlier, that the solid rock on which they stand. That no matter what the world says to our children, they will not be swayed. That they will be firmly planted and that they will bear fruit and that they will not wither. I said in the beginning that this teaching is for all of us. And it is in, in, in a number of ways. Because the last very hard truth that I will deliver to you today is, Mama, you can't raise godly children if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. 
We can only be the example of, of who God desires our children to be if we are that person. And we only become that person when we surrender our lives to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And as you're watching today, in the, on your screen, there's a, there's a button that, that looks like a hand. And I, I'm going to pray with you. But if you realize that you need to get to a place to where you become a godly person, that you need to confess Jesus Christ, I ask that you would click that hand. You'll be directed to a private chat, and one of our pastors will pray with you and, and talk with you. And even if you've made this confession before, I, I, I didn't, I said earlier, I, I didn't get to be a full-time mom, but, but the children that I love so much have made mistakes, and it's broken my heart, and, and life gets busy, mama. I know that life gets busy for you. And maybe you don't take time to truly sit at the feet of Jesus and worship. Now's the time to make that recommitment. I'm going to pray with you today. And you may say, well, Miss Angela, how do I do that? What, what's the formula? What, what, how does this work? Well, in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, the Bible says that we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And God sent our solution to that problem that we have. In John chapter 3, verse 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believed in him would not perish but have eternal life. Here's that vision of your life that God has for you too. Not just your children, but for you. That you would believe in Jesus and have eternal life. And he told us how to make that happen. In Romans chapter 10, verse 9, that if you confess, <coughs> excuse me, with your mouth, Jesus as Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I'm going to pray, as I said, and, and I'd like for you to pray along with me. You, you can repeat what I say. Just know I talk really fast, so you may miss some of it. So, so just, just pray on your own. If the Holy Spirit is, is leading you to submit your life to Christ, just, just tell God what you feel. Let's pray for a moment. Lord, thank you. Lord, thank you that you forgive us. God, I have sinned. God, I have sinned in my life. And I ask you to forgive me of that sin. God, if there's an area in my life that I'm not aware of that I have sinned, will you please, by your Holy Spirit, show that to me so that I can repent of it? So that I can turn from it and not live a life habitual of sin? God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for the sin that I commit against you. But I believe with all my heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and is Savior. And that you raised him from the dead. And I commit all of my days to allowing the Lordship of Jesus Christ to reign in me. That I will close up and forever never look again at the book of Angela and all of her opinions. But I will look at your word. That I will sustain my life in your word as Jesus becomes Lord of my life. I will serve you, God. And I will give my children over to you as I become an example to them of what a Christ follower looks like. I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.